our projector going again, Buddy and Andy and, uh, and Eric and got all that working again. We thank the Lord for that. Amen. Praise God. Give them a good hand <clears throat> for getting all that working again. All right. Do you have your Bibles? They will be putting it up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles or your uh, uh, electronic device that you want to use today, whatever your app is that you have your Bible on, turn to Psalm, the book of Psalms, Psalm 91. Last Sunday, uh, the Lord just moved in a different direction, and our service went in a little different direction last Sunday, and man, there was just a, a manifestation of the power and the presence of the Lord, and we just had a great time of prayer. People were touched and healed, and, and just great things took place. So I didn't get an opportunity. I did get an opportunity to kind of lay some foundation of this message, but for um, <clears throat> we're, we're going to do a, a study here on Sunday mornings, do some teaching, ministering from Psalm 91. How many are familiar with this psalm? It's a psalm of protection. I think everybody is pretty much familiar with the 91st psalm. You've heard it read. You've read it. You've probably prayed through it. I pray through it and pray parts of it on a regular basis and claim the promises of Psalm 91 on a regular basis. It's an awesome psalm. Many believe that Moses was the author of Psalm 91. It was written by Moses during the wilderness journey of the children of Israel. And it was, it was, it was promises of protection that God had given to the people the children of Israel through Moses, but it is also a psalm that is a reference to Jesus, the Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and God's promise to him. But it is also, there's several layers here because it is also a psalm for every believer today. It's the promises that are there are for you, for me, for every one of us. And we need to appropriate these promises and receive the benefits of them in our life. Would you agree with that today? And so it's such an awesome psalm. And, and it's something that is, it's a psalm that is very, very needful in the day and the hour in which we live today. I made mention of the fact last Sunday that, that, um, that there is such an epidemic of fear today in the world. People are just inundated with, a, with fearfulness. Seems like there's a spirit of fear that grips the hearts and the lives of so many in this day which we live today and especially in this time that we are in in the latter days. And the Apostle Paul said that in the last days, the latter times, that, that we would experience perilous times, dangerous times. We are in those times today. Paul said that in the last days that evil men and seducers would, would grow worse and worse and deceive and being deceived and deceiving others. And we're, we're seeing that today. Jesus himself predicted in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus predicted that there would be a time in the last days that, that, uh, that would be that we would experience and see the distress of nations. He said there would be the distress of nations with perplexity. The waves and the sea churning and roaring. And now, I don't believe he was, I believe what he was saying was waves and sea referring to, referring to peoples and referring to nations. That there would be unrest. That there would be trouble. That there would be a time of perplexity when it looks like everything is so bad it seems like there is no way out. 
We are living in that day today. We are living. You know, of course, Jesus said it as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. So it would be the same way in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And we know that in those days it were, there, was, there was ungodliness, wickedness. The imagination of men's hearts were wicked continually. And Jesus said it would be that way again in the last days. That men's hearts, it would be so bad that the hearts of individuals would fail them for fear because of the things that they see coming on the earth. And so we, are, we know we're, we're in uncertain times and people are afraid of the future. But you as a believer, now listen to me, you as a believer don't have to be afraid. We as children of God don't have to be be overcome or overpowered with a spirit of fear. Amen. There is even a fear of fear. I think it's um, I forget what it's called. But it's some kind of phobia, but it's a, a fear of fear. Some people even have are so afraid that they're fear of fear. You remember, was it FDR that said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Oh, um, you know, you, you know, you're aware of the fact that my, my favorite, most of you that are, that are around here a lot know that my favorite television show of all times is the Andy Griffith Show. I still like to watch Andy and Barney, and I know exa- I know the words. I know what they're going to say. I know the plot, and I laugh every time. Amen. It's just a great show. But on one episode, one of the most famous episodes that they ever that they ever made was called the, the Haunted House, and it was about the old Rimshaw place where where Arnold and Opie were playing baseball, and Opie hit a baseball, and it goes through the window of the old Rimshaw house. You remember that? And they, they go up to retrieve the baseball, and as they're getting ready to go in, they're talking about the house being haunted, and they hear, and they hear those noises, and so they run back to the courthouse, and they tell um, uh, Opie tells Andy and Barney about it, and Barney gives them a big lecture about how you don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. And then, you know, he tells Andy, Barney tells Andy, is it all right if I just use this to kind of open things up? But, but Barney tells Andy, you know those boys don't have to be afraid. And so Andy says, why don't you go over and get the ball for the boys? Me? Well, I've got this to do and that to do. And he said, oh, you wouldn't be afraid. Why, no, I'm not afraid. So Barney gets Gomer, and they go over to the house, and they go in to, they get ready to go in to find the baseball. And uh, when they do, they hear those same noises. And they, don't, don't you love my sound effects? Amen. Amen. It's wonderful. When we're around the campfire and our grandkids used to want me to tell ghost stories. It was, it was awesome. Amen. But uh, <laughs> they run back to the courthouse and they, uh, they're just scared to death. And uh, Barney began, and Gomer begin to tell Andy, you know, that's a haunted house. And, and Andy reminds Barney of what he said. I thought, he said, I thought you said there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And Barney said, yeah, and that's exactly what I've got. Fear itself. Praise God. Amen. And when I hear that, when I, you know, every time I hear that, I think, you know, that's the way so many people are today. That's the way the, that so many in the church are today. They have fear itself. But, you know, here we have a promise in God's Word. Psalm 91 is a gold, it's a gold mine of the Psalms, and it contains the promises of God's provision and God's protection. And all, you know, all through history, people, believers have faced, and especially in the, you know, believers in the Old Testament, believers in the New Testament, when we have faced times of danger, times of sickness, in times of war, in times of, you know, when we've, when we've people have been on their deathbeds and uh, we're getting ready to breathe their last, Psalm 91 has been a great 
psalm of comfort and encouragement. There was one pastor that um, noted a number of years ago, he was... He was looking over some letters. He was, he, was, he was perusing some letters that were written during World War II. And uh, the, the letters were correspondence between girls in the United States and their brothers or their sweethearts who were serving overseas during World War II. And he said that in, in almost every single letter that he read, it contained a reference to Psalm 91. They used those scriptures from Psalm 91 to encourage. It was the most quoted passages of Scripture, the most quoted verses of Scripture that were in those letters was from Psalm 91. Now, these were encouraging words for those soldiers who were facing danger. But can I tell you that for anyone today, for you, for me, for anyone that is gripped by fear, that is gripped by anxiety, Psalm 91 contains some wonderful, awesome promises for us as well. And in this Psalm, in these 16 verses of Psalm 91, there is, there is a, a, a source of stability for us. There is a source of security for us. There is a source of serenity and peace for every Christian who is trusting God for his protection. And we need God's protection. And we need God's covering in our lives today. Can I get an amen this morning? Psalm 91 was a psalm that even caught Satan's attention. How many is aware of that? It was the only verse it contains. Psalm 91 contains the only verse of Scripture that Satan quoted to Jesus in the wilderness temptation. And I might add that Satan misquoted. He quoted it, but he misquoted it. And Satan, you know, how many knows the devil knows the Scriptures? He knows the Bible. I mean, he can quote Scripture, but he never, he never gets it right. He always takes it out of context or misquotes it. But, but there, the, the verse of Scripture concerning the angels there in Psalm 91 was a verse that was, that was quoted by the enemy in the wilderness temptation when Jesus faced him. But there are so many great promises in Psalm 91. So let me read to you this morning um, that first verse because we're going to cover a couple of verses here in, um, in our time together this morning. Psalm 91, he who dwells, verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, and my God, in Him I will trust. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. Open up this Scriptures, these verses to our hearts today, and apply them to our lives. I pray today that there will be such a, a, an encouraging Word from the Holy Spirit that will drive back every trace of fear and anxiety from the hearts of your people today. Help us to see our need of your protection and your great promises here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Great promises that God gives us here in Psalm 91. And we love the promises of God. How many love those promises of God? But not only... Are there some great promises here, but also in Psalm 91, there are conditions. And here's the part that people don't like to hear. There are conditions for activating those promises. These promises of protection in the 91st Psalm, let me just say it this way, they're not for everybody. Somebody would say, well, I thought God's promises were for everybody. They are for everybody that meet the conditions of those promises. Did you know there are no unconditional promises that are given in the Word of God? I mean, even the promises of salvation 
that are given to us in the Bible carry some conditions that we have to meet in order for us to be able to, to come to know the Lord and to be saved. So there's no promises that are unconditional. Every promise in the Bible has a condition, and that includes all of the promises that are given here in Psalm 91. They are specifically, now listen to me, these promises in Psalm 91 are specifically given to believers, to those who know the Lord. And also to believers, not just to all believers, but to believers who will meet certain requirements. And God's promises to do certain things for us hinge on us doing certain things that He requires. Let me say that again because we need to understand that because everybody today, I mean, no matter how they live or what kind of lifestyle or whether they know the Lord or not, they want to just, you know, claim all the promises of God as being theirs. And God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. But let me repeat this. God's promises that He has given us to do certain things for us all hinge on us doing certain things that He requires. Amen. There are over 1,500 times in the Bible that that little two-letter word, if, is used. If you will do this, God says, then I will do that. One of the most, one of the most famous and quoted verses is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, name will what humble themselves and pray you know then God says I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin I will heal their land but it begins with that little two letter word if it begins with a condition God's people have to do something God's people have to meet the condition and then when we meet the condition then we can expect God to fulfill the promise in our life so that's the first thing we need to do is make sure that we're meeting the condition amen it would just be like you know if you need to go to the bank you need to get a loan. You need some money. Well, there's some things you have to do to get that loan approved. You go to the bank. You go see a loan officer. You fill out a loan application. And when you fill out that application, you have to meet certain requirements in order to get that loan. There's a credit check that's done. And if you are approved and if you meet the requirements, then you will get the loan. You're approved for the loan. You just don't walk into the bank. And Brother Scott, back here can vouch for this. You just don't walk into the bank and say, give me $50,000. That, that's called a holdup. Amen? Amen. You, you have to, you understand what I'm saying. You have to go through and meet the requirements in order to get the loan. And so that's the way it is with the promises of God. And in Psalm 91, that's what God is telling us here. He's saying, I've, uh, I've got some awesome blessings for you. I've got some great things that I want to do for you. Amen. That I will do for you, but you must meet the conditions in order to receive the blessings. How many understand that? Amen. So we've got to be willing to meet those conditions. And there are great promises in Psalm 91. As a matter of fact, we'll get as we go through this, you'll see that there are seven just in the last, the last 14, 15, 16, the last three verses of that Psalm, there are seven specific things that God says that He will do in those three verses. He says this in those last three verses. I mean, these are I wills of God. How many know when God says, I will do something, that He means He will do it? Praise God. And there's seven I will, seven specific things that God says He will do. He says, I will deliver. I will set you on high. I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will honor Him. I will satisfy Him. I will show Him my salvation. Seven specific things God says I will do. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. This is 
spiritual one-stop shopping right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Anything that you need, those seven, seven is the number of completion. And seven things God says, I will do for you, but there are some conditions to receiving those benefits. Amen? It's a little weak. That's a little weak. Amen? There are conditions to receiving those benefits. Let me read through this psalm. Are y'all okay? Let me read through this psalm. Verse 1 and 2. Are you there? Verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 91 gives the condition. And it says this. And you might want to go through your Bible and mark um, the verses that are conditions with a C and then mark the verses that are promises with a P. And then you'll know that when you meet those conditions, these are your promises. But notice verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a condition. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him. In, in Him I will trust. Those are conditions. But then look what God says in verse 3 through verse 8. Surely these are the promises here now. Surely He shall deliver you. Speaking of the Lord, He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Oh, hallelujah nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Those verses are promises after we meet the conditions of verse 1 and 2. But then look at verse number 9. He gives there another condition and he says because. Don't you love that word because? Because is another word that gives condition. When, we, when our kids were little, I remember... Specifically, you know, we would tell them, you know, they'd want to know if they could do a certain thing or have a certain thing or whatever. And we'd say, no, you can't do that. Or no, you can't go there. Or no, you can't have, you, you can't have that. And they would always, always say, why? Amen. Well, why can't I have that? Why can't I go there? Why can't I do that? And sometimes the only answer that I would give them was I'd say, well, just because. Because I said so, and I remember, uh, I think it was, uh, I, I think it was Nikki or Rachel when they were little. Uh, but anyway, I said that one day. I said just because, and they said, "Daddy, don't say because." Amen. They didn't want to hear the because, but this is as another condition. But notice this: because verse nine, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. There's the condition. Now the promise, verse ten: No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Those are the promises. Look at verse 14. Another condition and another because. Because he has set his love upon me, God says. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because, another condition, because he has known my name. Here's the promise. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Those are the conditions, but oh, what wonderful promises that he has given to those who will meet those conditions. Amen. I want everything. I don't know about anybody else, but I want everything that God has promised for my life. What a joy to know the promises of God. Amen? 
So we must position ourselves in the place of blessing. In verse 1, he says, and here are some important words. Amen. Here's some important words. He who dwells, verse 1, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Two important words, dwell and abide. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, how many knows what it means to dwell somewhere? The word dwell means to sit down. It means to make yourself at home. It means that you're remaining somewhere with consistency. Amen? That it's, 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 it's also similar to the New Testament word abide, in which Psalm 91 also uses the word abide. If you dwell, if you sit down, if you make yourself at home, if you remain in the secret place of the Most High and abide, live Make that your residence. Your residence is somewhere you abide. It's not somewhere that you're just at at a, at, you know, at a, at a certain time or you're just visiting, but it's the place where you dwell and live and abide. Jesus used that word abide in John 15 and 7 when he said, if you, he gives the condition of answered prayer, and he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done. So it means to stay in a given place. It means to, to maintain an unbroken fellowship and communion with someone else. That's what abide means. Amen. And the Word of God is telling us here that we if we want to enjoy the blessings of God's Word that He has for us that we've got to dwell in Him. Listen to me saints of God. If you want to experience God's promises of protection, God's promises of provision, God's promises of blessing in your life that are here in Psalm 91, you must dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. You must, and this is imperative, you must stay in fellowship with God. You must stay in communion with God. You must stay close and live close to God and stay near to the Lord. And you must remain consistently in His presence if you want to experience the blessings and the promises that He's given you in His Word. Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that what the Scripture's saying? See, it's not just checking in on Sundays every once in a while and saying, Hi, God. I'm here today. How are you? I have an hour to give you today. And so uh, I hope this preacher don't preach too long and it don't take too long. But I've got an hour to give you. I'll uh, be in and out, but I'll see you next week. See, that's not abiding. Come on, somebody. I, I love what somebody said one time. said, God wants full custody of your life, not just weekend visits. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. See, God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with us that spans the whole week. He wants you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He doesn't want us to just live for Him on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week we do what we want to. I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of that that goes on today within the church world that people feel like they can live any way they want to but just pop in on Sunday morning and, and just give God, you know, a little bit of, of praise on Sunday morning but the rest of the week they never acknowledge him but they just go on in their own way that's not dwelling that's not abiding you're not under the shadow of the almighty come on somebody needs to say amen I know this may not be popular preaching today but if we want the blessings of God listen if you don't care about answered prayer if you don't care about the blessings of God if you don't care about claiming God's promises then you can live any way you want to but if you want these promises you've got to dwell and you've got to abide, and you've got to live a consistent life for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good preaching, Brother Rick. Keep it up. Amen. you got to be like, you remember the story of Mary and Martha. You know when Jesus came to Bethany and came to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house? 
And, you know, Mary, boy, she was, you know, she got there in, in the presence of Jesus. And he sat there, and she got at his feet, and she sat there at his feet, and she was just soaking up what he was telling her. She was just soaking up the word of God that he was giving to her, amen, in the presence of the Lord. And there was Martha. What was Martha doing? Martha was running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Amen. She was get, trying to get dinner. She was trying to get the house clean. She was trying to get everything prepared. And she was a nervous wreck. Amen. And there's Mary just sitting there at peace in the presence of Jesus, hearing his word. And Martha got upset. She goes to the Lord and she says, Don't you care? Don't you even care that Mary's not helping me? I need some help over here. And Jesus said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha. My, when Jesus calls your name twice, he's trying to get a hold of you and tell you something. Martha, Martha. It's kind of like when you was a kid, you know, and your mom called and used your full name. Ricky, Carl, Hensley. I knew she's trying to get my attention then. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. But he said, I'll tell you what you need to be doing. You need to be like Mary. She's chosen that good part to come and sit at my feet. And what Mary has chosen to do will not be taken away from her. She's abiding in the secret place and dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, receiving the blessing of Jesus. That's what the Lord wants for us. It's not just a brief visit on Sunday but it's living for him on Monday it's living for him on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday in the grocery store at work and on the job or at school or wherever you happen to be it's dwelling and abiding in the shadow this is shadow living under the shadow of the almighty God amen See, Mary knew what was important, that there was a time for work and other things, but there was a time for worship, dwelling in the secret place. What is the secret place? Where is the secret place? I want to know, don't you? Because the secret place did you ever have a secret place when you was a kid where you could just get alone, hide? Nobody knew where you were at. How many of y'all, I don't know, I think most everybody's probably my age or younger. <laughs> How many of y'all ever, you know, when you was a kid played hide and seek? Huh? Flashlight tag. Did you ever do that? Back in the day, you know, when America was a safe place to live. Back in the day when kids could play out at night and not have to worry about being abducted or, or anything like that, you know. I mean, we played out when we were kids in the summertime. We never, we never went in before dark. We played out all day long. I mean, from, from morning till evening. My grandma would call me in, you know, for, for supper, and I'd eat a bite and then go back out. But we played, we, we, we played hide-and-seek. When they would play out, that's a good point, amen. But we, we played hide-and-seek. And, man, we'd, you know, if you knew, if you could find a good hiding place. You know, everybody, one person was it. Nobody ever wanted to be it. Amen. <laughs> I guess that would be, uh, you know, that would be incorrect terminology to call somebody it today. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not. There's a lot of it's out there. Oh, don't get me on that. Woo, hallelujah. But, you know, one person was it. And then everybody else, there'd be five, six kids, you know, playing from the neighborhood, all playing together. And then the person who was it was there at the base. You all know how hide and seek, and they're supposed to count to 100. Yeah, right. And you count to 100 while everybody else goes and hides. And if you had that one place, you knew you had.
at a place where you could get where nobody knew where it was at, where nobody could find you. Man, you were in base free, and they was all wondering, where is he hiding? They'd try to watch to see where you went because you're always in base free, and it never can find you, and they never know where you are. Well, I want to tell you something. There is an it out there today by the name of the devil, by the name of Satan, and he's looking for you, but I'm telling you today, if you'll get in the secret place of the Most High God, there is a place where Satan does not have access to, where he can't get to you, where he can't find you. Your life is hid with Christ in God, and that is a place of protection. Man, I was going to be just dignified today. I'm done lost all my dignity and everything. Woo! The secret place is that place where nobody can find you. David had it. God, God protected him in Psalm 32. He said of the Lord, David said in Psalm 32, 7, Lord, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble and shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 3120, David said, You, Lord, shall hide, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. That's the secret place, his presence. Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. So, to be in the secret place is to be so hidden in God that the devil cannot find you or get to you. That's, that's the place of protection and security in the secret place of the Most High God. You remember when Elijah went before Ahab and he said, because of your sin, because of leading the people into sin, there'll be no rain. There'll be no more rain in this, in this land until except according to my word. And Ahab wanted to get Elijah. Ahab wanted to kill Elijah. But Elijah had a place. Oh, hallelujah. By the brook Cherith. And God told Elijah, said, you go down and hide yourself there. By the brook Cherith. And I've commanded the ravens to come and bring you some, some bread and some meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And there's a place where Ahab, he can look all he wants, but he can't find you. That's what I'm talking about today. The devil would like nothing more than to be able to get a hold of your life and destroy you and wipe you out. He'd like to destroy every child of God that he can destroy. But I've got good news. Even in this evil, wicked day in which we live today, there is a hiding place for the church. There is a hiding place for the believer. We may be persecuted. We may be lambasted. We may be attacked. But I can tell you there is a place where Satan cannot get to and touch us. Hallelujah. Ooh, it's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. Come on and give the Lord a praise today. Woo. So we've got to get in that secret place. And he said, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You ever tried to walk in somebody's shadow? You ever tried to chase the shade? <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? If you work outside or you camp or you spend some time outside, you've you got to move to stay in the shade. And if you're walking in somebody's shadow, it's possible to do, but you have to keep up with that person. Amen. When they move, you've got to move. When they stand still, you've got to stand still. That's the picture that's given here in Psalm 91 when he says that we are to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God is saying this, I want to be your hiding place. I want to be your covering I want you, and here's the key though, 
I want you to be so close to me, the Lord says, that you are in my very shadow. That's right along with what the message and the interpretation that the Holy Spirit gave us this morning. God is calling us close to Him. He wants us to live a life of closeness to Him. And you've got to stay close to Him to stay under His shadow. Don't get out from under. See, here's what happens. We cannot afford to get out from under the shade of God's protection. This is shadow living. And that's what I entitled this series on Psalm 91 is shadow living. It's living under God's shadow. It's being covered by Him and His protection. I know there's a lot of stuff that goes around today about a, you know one particular preacher or one particular prophet or one particular church is to be our covering. Uh, but, but, but there's only one that can be your covering today. Listen, I, I'm your shepherd. I'm your pastor that God has set over this church to feed the flock of God. But I, I'm not your covering. There's only one that you can say is your covering of protection today and his name is Jesus Christ amen he's the one that's got you covered if I'm covered by anything I want to be covered by the blood somebody say amen I want the blood of the lamb to cover my life and the shadow of his presence to overshadow and cover me hallelujah and to dwell in that place close to him where I'm covered it's like you know, when you get insurance, you want to know what's covered. Huh? And, and if you wait, <laughs> if you, you wait till it's too late and you have an accident or you have a sickness or you have something happen and you find out, they tell you, mmm, that's not covered. But oh, when you're dwelling in the secret place, of the Most High, and you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. God has got you covered. Woo, hallelujah. I said God has got you covered. That shadow, that covering, that, that protection of God, it, it goes back, and as I said, Moses is, is believed to be the author of this psalm. And it was at that time of that wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. God's church in the wilderness is what the New Testament calls them. The church in the wilderness. But it was during that time that, that what, what was over them every day and every night? You remember? You remember? In the, in the daytime, what was there? There was a pillar of, of cloud during the daytime, Right? And it, it, oh, hallelujah, it overshadowed them from the heat of the sun in that wilderness. It was a cloud of God's glory that was over that entire nation of Israel that protected them. They had to stay under that cloud. What do you mean, Brother Rick? Stay under that cloud. When the cloud moved, they moved. Is anybody with me? When the cloud stopped, they stopped, right? In other words, that cloud of protection that God put over them was a type of the Holy Spirit that led them through their wilderness journey. And I want you to know, Abundant Life Church, you have, we have the Believers have a, 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 the Holy Spirit that leads us, that guides us, that directs us. And we only get in trouble, serious trouble, when we get out from under the guiding hand of the Holy Spirit. And we decide, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want. And then we make our own plan and ask God to bless it. And that is not the way this works. I know y'all are listening real good because that's why you're so quiet. That's not the way this works. You do not say, God, I'm going to go over here and do this. Come here, God. Bless this. Come over here. No, 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 no. Right? How many knows what I'm talking about? 
You stay put till the cloud moves. Because if you don't, you get out from under the blessing and the protection. Amen? At night, what was it? It was a pillar of fire, wasn't it? It lit up and illuminated their way. And the Bible said that as long as that pillar of cloud, pillar of fire remained stationary, they stayed, they camped right there. But as soon as that cloud lifted and started to move, they packed up and moved. Praise God. That's staying close to God. That's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's doing, somebody told me Wednesday night, you know, last Sunday night, if y'all wasn't here, wasn't very many that were, to be perfectly honest with you, but the Lord laid upon my heart something to share of five things to do to be strengthened and to be strong, to remain strong in the Lord. I had found these notes in an old notebook that I had taken Many years ago, and I don't even remember writing these notes, and I was just flipping through there, and it just jumped out at me. And I didn't even take time to, to type them or anything. I just brought them to church and taught on those five things to do. And somebody told me Wednesday night, said, I've learned something. I said, what's that? I've learned to listen to the preacher. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, give us all that revelation. As long as the preacher's telling you the truth and what's in the Word, we know that, right? But they said, I've learned to listen. And, and, and they thanked me for that little short teaching. And they, they told me, said, I know that you may not have thought it was much. And I really didn't. I thought it was just a little bit simple. And said, but I started doing that this week. And it made a difference in just a few days in their lives. See, when you stay under the shadow and you get under the shadow and you get in the hiding place and you follow the leading of the Lord, whew, good things happen when you obey Him. I said good things happen when you obey Him. Man, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get again. Praise God. But He gives... In this psalm, the names, there are four names of God, four names of God that are given here in verses 1 and 2. He's revealing Himself as the Most High God, the Almighty God, the Lord, and my God. Four different Hebrew names of God that are given right there in verses 1 and 2. Most high is the word Elyon. Almighty is a word that we are familiar with. It's the word Shaddai. Remember El Shaddai? We have a song we sing sometimes about these names of God. The third one was Lord. I will say of the Lord, and that's the name Jehovah or Yahweh, the name of Jehovah. And then he said, the Lord is my God, and that is the name Elohim. That word most high, let me give you these real quick, and then we'll go to the house or to the restaurant. All right. <laughs> let me give you these real quick. The first name, the most high God in, verse, in that first verse. He dwells in the secret place of the Most High is the name Elyon. It means that there's no other God higher than God because there is no other God but God. He is the higher. There's nothing higher than Him. The name Elyon means the possessor of heaven and earth. And it means that God owns everything. He is overall. He is number one. And it doesn't get any higher or bigger or better than your God. And that's where you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. But the second name is, he said, I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The name Almighty is the Hebrew name Shaddai, S-H-A-D-D-A-I, Shaddai. I guess that's how you pronounce it. That's the way I've pronounced it all my life. If it's not right, I'll ask the Lord to correct me when I get to heaven. 
But the Hebrew name Shaddai, Shaddai means the God of power and provision. He's not only the living God, but He's also the giving God. And He cares for and wants to provide for us. The name Shaddai means that He's the all-powerful God. Thus the name Almighty. That was the name He revealed Himself to Abraham as in in, uh, Genesis chapter 17. When He says, I am the Almighty God. Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. He was telling Abraham that there was nothing. It revealed that that name that he was all powerful and that he was capable of doing anything. He's the all sufficient God. He's El Shaddai. He's God that is more than enough. The God that can supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He's, remember this, he's El Shaddai not El Chipo. Amen? He's almighty. He's all powerful. The third name that he gives is Jehovah. I will say of the Lord. That's the Hebrew word. The Hebrew name Jehovah or Yahweh. And this was God's covenant name with Israel. This was the name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. When when Moses said to the Lord when he was talking to him out of that burning bush. He was trying to make excuses for not going and, uh, and, and, and delivering Israel. And he said, well who will I say sent me? What is your name? They'll ask me what your name is. And God gave him that name there, Jehovah. The name that that means I am. Remember what God told Moses? He said, you tell them I am has sent you for I am that I am. That I am. He is the I am. He is all that you need on every occasion and no matter what arises in your life. That's the covenant name of God. The I am. Jesus even spoke of himself as the I am. When they came, those 600 soldiers came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they sa- he said, who do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. The word he in the New Testament is italicized. What he said was, I am. And all 600 of them fell down because he is the almighty, the great I am. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha, the omega. He's everything you need. Thee I am the Lord Almighty. Give him praise. That's who your refuge is. That's who your protector is. And that fourth name was my God. And that's the Hebrew word Elohim. It's the name of power. Elohim was the word that was used in Genesis 1 and 1. When it said in the beginning God. In the beginning Elohim. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is Elohim the creator. This is the one who spoke every thing into existence. This is the one who was and is and is to come. It wasn't a big bang but it was God saying let there be and there was. That is the God you serve. Our God and our Father today. Amen. Woo! So before we even get to the promises that are contained in this psalm we are told That the all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God who possesses heaven and earth is is in a special covenant with you. And that He wants to provide for you, to meet your needs, to take care of you, and to protect you. And I don't know about anybody else. But that gives me an assurance and a peace and a confidence today that He is my God. He's my Abba Father, this almighty God. He's the anchor in the time of trouble. He's the God that always keeps His promises. He is the God that always will be God and the God that I need, the only one that I need who will take care of me. That that is shadow living under and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty God. Worship team, make your way back, please. Oh, hallelujah.